and welcome to the Cumberland Podcast. My name is Chris Fleming. I'm the Adult Ministries Coordinator for the Ministry Council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And today, I've got a special treat for you. I recently went to the APSI Conference, which is the Association of Presbyterian Church Educators. And while I was there, I met up with Reverend Lisa Cook of Nashville Presbytery. She was a presenter there, and she was talking about her ministry, the Sacred Sparks Ministry. Some of you may already know about it. Some of you may not. And this is a chance for you to get to hear the good work that she's doing and also a chance to where you might be able to help her out, volunteer, maybe take a youth group, and so on and so forth. Um, But before we get into that, I wanted to remind you of February 26th. That's Ash Wednesday. We're going to have the Denominational Day of Prayer and Fasting. It's a day in which we're asking all Cumberland Presbyterians all across the world to pray and seek God's wisdom, to seek, seek strength, and to seek power as we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all that we come in contact to. So I'm going to uh, introduce this by saying this is a pre-recorded uh, interview that I was able to grab while in Arkansas, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, so we're here with the Reverend Lisa Cook. She's the pastor at the Green Hill Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Nashville Presbytery. And uh, many of you might already know her because of the work that she's done with uh, Sacred Spark Ministries. And so I wanted to make sure we had her on that she could tell us the story of that because she's done really good work and um, it's interesting work that she does. And hopefully maybe we can all learn how that we can help support her and her ministry. So, uh, so tell me then, how did you start Sacred Spark Ministries? What was the origin of the of the idea and your your call to it? Um, I would say the origin uh, came about in a really unexpected way. I um, I had been exploring my call and trying to figure out what it was that God was calling me to do, um, and in doing that, I did some chaplain work at traditional hospitals, visiting people who were inpatients. Um, I did some traditional chaplain work at a psychiatric hospital working for young people. None of that, all of that was good, but it didn't seem like the right fit. And then I had the opportunity to become a a chaplain at a hospice uh, organization. And through that, I met uh, a man named David, uh, who was my first introduction to the homeless community and in getting to know him and some of his friends and through a series of events I ended up more and more sort of immersed into this community of people men and women experiencing homelessness and poverty and um, an unlikely uh, an unlikely community for me to be called to serve but uh, through a process of discernment and prayer and and talking to people that I trust finally came to the conclusion that that this is exactly what God was calling me to do to be a pastor to men and women who are experiencing homelessness in the Nashville area and you uh, previously in our other conversations you said you had worked at uh, AT AT&T yeah I worked in corporate America um, from the time I graduated high school until just a few years ago I had 20 something years there um, started off as a directory assistance operator, giving out phone numbers. When I ended my career there, um, I was a senior project manager in the finance department. Gotcha. And so you got from there to here. What was the, what's the story on that? Well, I was going to finish my undergrad degree so I could advance in um, you know, corporate America. 
and I picked uh, a school. I went to an educational fair that we had at the, the job site, and I picked a school just based on the fact that it fit my schedule, um, and it turned out to be Bethel, at the time Bethel College, uh, now Bethel University. And um, I enrolled in their success program because they had the right dates available, having no idea it was a faith-based school. Um, and through that program, um, I ended up meeting uh, a Cumberland Presbyterian pastor who was teaching uh, a course that I took as part of the success program, um, and that was my first introduction to the Cumberland Church, and um, started going to that pastor's church and started getting involved there, and um, that led me from Bethel then on to Memphis Theological Seminary. All right, so was it at the seminary you were able to kind of, I guess, discern your calling? Yes, I mean, that's yes. Um, in particular, there was one class that I took, um, you know, because I, I really wasn't sure what all was going on. I knew something was going on, but I, I didn't know exactly what God was calling me to do or why I was at seminary. You know, I started going to seminary way before I ever came under the, the care of Presbytery. I was going just because I wanted to learn more. Um, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't, don't have that background, so this was all new to me. I got, in fact, I got baptized as an adult at Brent Haven in 2007. Um, so I went to seminary just to sort of learn more about this thing that I had become passionate about. And um, in one of my classes, uh, we read or covered a book by Thomas Oden, and uh, the first chapter that we covered was Women in Ministry. And then the next chapter we covered was the meaning of ordination. And it was at that point I decided that, you know, I was, you know, it was way too obvious. Um, and I just needed to talk to somebody about what was going on and talk to some folks, talk to the session at Brent Haven, and um, eventually came under the care of, of the Presbytery as a candidate for the ministry. So a lot happened in 10 years. A then. lot. Like, right, so. I call it Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. So how... So the thing that uh, a lot of people in our church know you for is the ministry, the Sacred Sparks ministry. Mm -hmm. What exactly is it, and then what do you do, and 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 we'll start with that. Okay, it's 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 this is a tough question. People ask me all the time what it is I do, and it's hard for me to really describe what I do. The best way I can describe it is first of all, I'm called to be in relationship and to have a ministry of presence with a community of people who don't experience that in a lot of ways. Um, and, and that might sound simple, but it's kind of hard to be, you know, present and to go back. You know, I've been so disappointed by the people that I serve, and, and um, I learned early on, you know, that that was going to happen. That there, There's not been one person that I've been in relationship with through this ministry that hasn't disappointed me. But my job, my call, is to continue to love them and to be present with them and not to turn my back and to walk away like so many people have done in their lives. And so I'm called to love. You know, I, I, I can't fix people. I can't end homelessness. It's not my job, job to judge anyone. But what I can do is love people. Um, and, and that's what I do. So I'm kind of curious. One of the things, when you do ministry with people who are obviously needing ministry, something happened to get them there. Uh, and so how is it when you say they disappoint you? Because, again, I'm saying this with a heart that I understand. What ways have you coped? Like when, 
I remember the first big disappointment I had, like thinking I had wasted a year and a half of ministry and I was getting cynical or whatnot. And, and there was an, there was an elder at my church that guided me through my disappointment. How, I mean, how do you work through that? When, cause when you lay it on the line, man, it hurts when, when something don't go right. And unless you have, I'm assuming some kind of mechanism just to keep going. It, 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 it really does hurt. And it was a shock to me um, because I, I sort of went into this thinking it was going to be this fluffy, fun thing. And, you know, it's not been that, you know, it's been that a lot of times. What I, what I do, the goods far outweigh the bad, but the bads are so sometimes shocking and just hard to deal with. And so I, I, there are two things I'm, I'm glad for. In the very beginning of my call, I was, I was a little disappointed um, with the age that God called me, not only to serve, but also to find my faith and to have a relationship with, with God. You know, I, I saw the youth going to camps, and I saw vacation Bible school, and I was like, why couldn't I have experienced that? But I know now, after a little experience, that God's timing is perfect, and God called me at just the right time, because I don't know that the younger Lisa could have dealt with some of the things that I have to deal with. And the second thing I appreciate is my education at Memphis Theological Seminary, because there was a lot of, of uh, intentional teaching and, and encouraging to make sure that we have good boundaries. And I have returned to that over and over and over in this call and remembered that I am not everything to these people. I'm, I'm called to be their pastor, to be present with them, and I can't fix everything. And I certainly um, understand that now. So I appreciate the age I was called, even though I was a little upset about it at first, but um, and, and the education that I got really helped. And the boundaries. Boundaries is hard. Are mm-hmm. hard for for ministers, especially mm-hmm. um, in smaller churches or in niche churches, because you lay you lay everything on the line, like and open yourself up sometimes. So, what does a typical week look like for Sacred Sparks Ministry? Well, that that's another funny thing <laughs> is it, this is how naive I was. So I came from corporate America, and I'm a very detailed oriented person, and. And so when I started this whole ministry thing and this call uh, that became Sacred Sparks, I thought, I'm going to make an agenda. I actually did it. I made like a calendar. I'm going to do this between this hour and this hour and this and this. (laughs) Oh, that blew up really quick. So I really, a typical week doesn't exist for me. Um, I basically get up in the morning, look at my phone, figure out who's contacted me or look at, oddly enough, Social media is where I keep in contact with a lot of the people I serve, and that gives me a feel for what's going on in their lives. Um, and then I prioritize because for the people that I serve in their situation, everything to them feels like an emergency. Everything. So I have to filter through that and figure out what needs to be done. But, you know, I, um, I do you know, outreach. I do a lot of windshield time driving to places. It's, it's church in reverse. You know, for a typical traditional church, people come to the church. Um, this is church going to the people, right? So I go to the camps. I go to the low-income apartments. I go downtown, and I, 
I just build relationships and I'm with people and you know I do outreach which is something you have to do when you're in relationship with this community. I provide things that they need that we all take for granted like water and clothes and socks and shoes and batteries and propane. So I, I give those things out. Um, I do shelter ministry. Uh, if there's extreme weather, either hot or cold, I have plans in place and churches that allow me to use their space to, to shelter folks. But the biggest thing that I do, or that the ministry does, is provide um, laundry services to the people we serve. Uh, the laundry ministry started organically. Uh, it was an idea some women had at the church uh, at Brenhaven, my home church, and I was just crazy enough to try it. And five years later, um, we've been doing laundry for, on average, 40 to 50 people every week, strictly on donations mainly from Cumberland churches um, all over the place and there's not been one week that I had to tell people we don't have the money to do this so what does the laundry ministry look so like how does it, do you pick up yeah or? so every week um, I send out a text or a Facebook message and let people know that I'm picking up on Wednesday if you, do you need to do your clothes. Spot or different mm -hmm. spots. Yeah, I've got spots, and they'll text back and tell me where they're at. And so I take away all the barriers. So when you when you live outside, think about if you needed to clean your clothes. You have to first get them somewhere, so you have to carry them. You know, so you have to walk with them or get on a bus, which requires money. Then when you get there, you need money to do your clothes and soap to to clean your clothes and all of that. So I take away all those barriers. I go and pick them up wherever they live. You know, I drive into the woods and pick up people, and then I bring them to the laundromat, and I've got everything they need. All they need is their dirty clothes. I've got the quarters. I've got soap. I've got bleach. I've got dryer sheets. All of that. Um, and I always feed the group. Whenever I gather them together, anywhere, I always feed because they're probably missing an organized feeding by coming to this thing, so I make sure they eat. So we break bread together in the laundromat. It's usually pizza. And we wash their clothes, we dry their clothes, and in between that time, we fellowship and talk. There's opportunity for pastoral care if someone needs to talk to me. It really is like church in a laundromat. So during those, so you you serve about 50, 60 people? 40 to 50, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. a week. Mm -hmm. Is that a, I don't know how to say this, Is so like at a traditional church, obviously you got 50 or 60 and they're the same ones and they mm -hmm. come and there's a, a habit. Is there a transient? Yeah. Is it a... Is it a little bit of both. There are people that have been coming to Laundry Day every week for all five years um, but a lot of it is you know people who may just be in town right now and you know they're moving on somewhere else and they hear about what I do and they okay. jump in on it and I may never see them I may wash their clothes this week and never see them again um, I sat down one time and tried to figure out the number of people I work with and at that time I came up with there's about 75 people that I am in relationship with uh, 40 to 50 on a weekly basis it's kind of like membership at a church and who actually comes gotcha yeah gotcha so how then do you get the supplies what are you know for the laundry ministry and and what what other support do churches or people give you and, and um it started out with me giving them a bucket with the sacred sparks logo on it and then putting it in their lobby or their narthex and collecting quarters for me and i would drive around and get the quarters and do laundry that week and it has 
grown into people sending me checks, you know, to do laundry. And I go and I talk. I had a someone tell me early on, they said, if, if anyone comes to you and wants you to come to their church and talk about this, you need to drop whatever you're doing and go because these are the people that are going to make it happen for you. And truer words have never been spoken. So I go and I talk and and because I have a church that doesn't really exist in a tangible way, I do a lot of social media so people can see what the church, what Sacred Sparks is doing. And through that and, you know, just again, building relationships with people in the Cumberland Church. You know, I thought it would be a little thing that Nashville Presbytery supported. And I, I get support from all over. You know, Missouri Presbytery is a huge supporter of this ministry that takes place in Nashville. So your the answer to your question is Cumberland Presbyterians. Make sure that we are able to do this every week. So, how, so I guess you receive donations through check. Is there any way... Uh, electronically or yeah. any way that somebody can ring you up or say hey, hey and is money the best way I mean that sounds crass but is money the best way to help I'm, it is I, I will you know I have I have a website um, okay. that I have not only um, I do I keep a blog on there I'll, I'll post stories and pictures I also have a place that you can donate online okay. uh, safely there and um, I also have a, a, a page that shows um, in-kind donations that are needed. Um, and I broke it down by winter and summer because the needs are different based on what kind of weather we're dealing with. What's the website? www.sacredsparksministry.blogspot.com right. And so that's a place where you can keep up with what you're doing and you can also... But how does do you have an element to where people can come help or is that the type of ministry that you're... How, did, how would that work if the church wanted to say, what can we do to... Absolutely. One of the goals of the ministry that I didn't have as a goal originally that I learned was something that we were doing is to provide two-way educational opportunities for folks. Two-way sounds good. Explain two-way. Two-way. And and that's interesting that you caught that because it's interesting. So the first thing is the community that I serve, there there are so many stereotypes about these folks. and so I want folks to know that just because they're experiencing something that, they've, that I may have not experienced, they're no different from me. And the best way to do that, you know, I can go and talk about the people that I serve all day long, but for you to come and meet them, that takes it to a whole new level. So I offer up to anyone to come and work with me. I've, I've done you know, youth groups, I've done small adult, you know, small groups of adults, I've had churches come, um, and I actually go out and take you to the camps and let you meet folks, and it's amazing to see the paradigm shift. There's so many, uh, so many things that change when people actually sit down and look at someone in the eye and just begin to get to know them. And I say two-way because the folks that I serve also have some stereotypes and things that they believe about the church and a lot of that is because you know we have this tendency as human beings to try to fix things and a lot of times the people that I serve are are told all kinds of things about this is why you're where you're at and if you would just have done a b or c then this would have all been different and again I don't feel like it's any of our job to fix any of that um 
And so I want the people that I serve to know that there are a group of Christians who are willing to come and meet them where they are and not beat them over the head with the Bible and to, to be in relationship with them and to love them and not expect anything in return. It's too late. That's how ministry works, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it means to have a heart of hospitality, an open heart and mm-hmm. information exchange. What if, if somebody were to ask you what was the... Um, either describe what a good day is or the best time where you said God has worked here or you know a time where you thought this has been exactly what I'm called to do I guess a joyous ministry moment or, or something is there something that you can think of that's just like thank God for for calling me here and thank God that I'm part of this there's so many that I'm trying to sit here and, and think about which one to tell you about. Um, I guess I'll go to recent. You know, you always kind of default to the most recent thing that's happened. And back in September, again, as part of laundry ministry, um, I picked up some folks from a camp. They live outside, and um, they got in the van, and uh, they were talking about the fact that their names are James and Cheryl, and they were talking about the fact that James had proposed to Cheryl. Um, and they were just talking in the back of the van about, you know, I don't know where we're going to do this at. And they're like, we can just go to the courthouse, blah, blah, blah. And I spoke up and I said, have you ever thought about the laundromat? And they're like, well, no, I've never thought about that. So we started asking some folks about the possibility. And <laughs> one Wednesday when everyone was gathered there, um, we had borrowed a suit for James and Cheryl had found a dress somehow on her own. And we had a wedding cake, and we had pizza, and we put flowers in a detergent bottle. And um, <laughs> I had on my shorts and t-shirt like I mostly do, and I put on a stole. And we married um, James and Cheryl in the laundromat. Awesome. Yeah, and that was that was a day when I left going, you know what? No matter what, no matter what, um, this is good. Very this is good. good. All right, so one more time, the... Uh website to where they can find your information www.sacredsparksministry.blogspot.com i can also be found on facebook or instagram um, and you'll get a good foot feel for the ministry if you take a look at my postings on there awesome well thank you reverend and uh we look forward to talking with you and speaking with you again absolutely peace and love